Hello. Check out my fancy new Moleskine notebook. Mmm. Moleskine. Which I'm doing my notes in now. And they're incredibly overpriced. Yeah, two and a half years later, you finally got official. You got your own, you bought your own notebook to do this podcast with instead of taking my old trash ones. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm, I'm fully committed. You're, yeah, took you long enough. Listeners, it is your support that has allowed me to buy a notebook for this <laughs> podcast. Welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson series chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing chapter two of Percy Jackson, oh, sorry, of The Lightning Thief. I, I want to call it Percy <laughs> Jackson and The Lightning Thief or something. Like, I, I mean, that's the full title on the, no, on the book. No, that's Percy Jackson and the Olympians, oh, okay. The Lightning Thief. Okay. Yeah, it's The Lightning Thief. Cool. Yes. Sure says it too. Yeah. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning thief. Uh-huh. Today we are discussing chapter two of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called Three Old Ladies Knit the Socks of Death. So that's a thing. I'm a Greyhound bus driver, and my bus broke down, and I hate it. It is not a good day. Um, having a really bad time. Coffee. My coffee was cold. My bus broke down. You're drinking iced coffee. It's supposed to be cold. <laughs> Shh! Don't tell them that. I'm getting into character here. Also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a big blue sock. I was gonna do the sock. I was gonna do the sock. Uh huh. Is it socks plural or socks singular uh, that they're knitting? Because I thought they were knitting socks. Yeah, I think it's... The chapter I, title says they're knitting socks. I'm just one sock. Though. Okay, you're just... Well, I, I get that. <laughs> I can appreciate that you are not two things. Hi. Anyway, I'm also known as Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. I hear your iced coffee in the background. <laughs> the secrets of the podcast that the uh, listeners aren't supposed to know, Shh. given it's an audio medium. Shh. Well, one day you'll start Twitch streaming these... Uh, reviews i i have considered doing some kind of streaming <laughs> thing that is just ugh. No. <laughs> anyway how are you kristen i'm doing well how are you doing fantastic sorry i was trying to banter and you know. yeah no got it how do we talk to each other we're married is... we don't isn't that supposed to be the joke <laughs> i've forgotten how to do this uh, so anyway, welcome to chapter two. Yes. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a, I don't want to say a filler chapter. I just feel like we're going to have a lot less to talk about in this one in the first chapter because no. like nothing's really introduced. Like, it is it's a, a transition. transition chapter, 100%. But it does bring up some themes and things like that, that uh, in my little like, let's learn more about mythology section we're going to learn a little bit more about the fates. Oh, you've done research. No, not yet. I'm going to pause in the record and then go ahead and do something and then we'll talk about it. I planned to. <laughs> I planned to. This morning's activities took longer than I expected and I didn't have time to do the, the okay. what I had planned. Okay. 
And by this morning's activities, I mean the extended TikTok video watching I was doing and got lost and so busy, didn't have time to do my research. So anyway, how do we start this podcast, Kristen? Well, we uh, banter and then we do our bullet point summaries. Okay. So we kind of summarized how the chapter went in some bullet points, just kind of hitting some of the main things. Um, Because this is a transition chapter. Yeah. I have a lot of bullet points because there's a lot of stuff that happens at different points along the way that I felt like was kind of important. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have that many. So if you'll you'll have like me to seven. Go, yeah, if you'd like me to go first, but mine are like one or two words. Okay, go ahead. So here are my bullet points for the chapter. Uh, time skip. Uh, stepfather issues. Kindly one. What is a kindly one? That's brought up. That's a term that's introduced in this chapter. Um, Grover's in on it. Uh, blood red question mark. There's another reference to color that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the fates exclamation point. Ah. Socks too big question mark. And then omens. Okay. So these are the things that are important in this chapter to me. All right. So my 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 bullet points. I have Grover is lying. We I'm, we interpreted that very differently, didn't we? That's that's like sentence that that's really at the beginning. Okay. Because he says, "I know Grover's lying to me because oh, that's he true. he." That's Percy's yes. perspective. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Grover yeah. is lying. Uh-huh. That's that's Percy's I perspective. Forgot that was a line. So. Yeah. I mean, he says Grover's lying about it. He knew about Mrs. Dobbs. No one else does, but. He can't fool me. Uh-huh. Uh, failing school and not welcome back. Decision to ask for help. Eavesdropping about a kindly one and hearing animal sounds. Clop, clops, and snuffling. Uh, travels with Grover. Confession time about eavesdropping. Protector role reversal. Because we have Percy, we have Grover saying he needs to protect Percy, and Percy being like befuddled by the fact that he's been protecting Grover this whole time. He's like, I've been protecting him against bullies. I was worried about him being alone at school without me, and he's sitting here telling me he is protecting me. Why would I need that? Bus breaks down. Grover doesn't like the weird sock knitters. <laughs> String is cut. And that's that's my my bullet points. Cool. Uh, so I guess let's go ahead and uh, jump right on in. Page turning sounds. Here. Nope. He's not unexpectedly losing his pants yet. We're skipping too far ahead. That's exactly where I flipped <laughs> to in my book, too. And I was like, well, I didn't even look at the next chapter title. All right. Uh, so we jumped forward quite a bit in time for this chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pretty much finish out the entire school year. And we find out that Percy is, uh, hey, he's not coming back. Nope. Uh, I mean, for the rest of the school year, he mentions that, you know, nobody has any idea who Dodds is. Everybody's totally convinced Miss Kerr's been there the entire time. Totally different teacher. Perky blonde. Uh, occasionally, he brings up Dodds, and nobody has any idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Grover's lying. Yep. So he is aware that he, he probably knows something that he's not letting on really early on. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of rereading this chapter because I forgot how it goes. So, so you want to go ahead and pause the record no. and 
No, I'm just reminding myself. Okay. Uh, so his grades slipped. He already wasn't a great student. Yeah. And you mentioned his that. His D's went to F's. He's yeah. failing. Um, and he snapped at a teacher. Wow. And that's what got him disinvited from returning. Yeah, I'm surprised you weren't Mr. Nickel. I mean, that's the only new character introduced in this yeah, chapter, really. So, or I mean, the Greyhound bus driver, I suppose. Yeah. If that's and the a character. Fates. Yeah, what am I doing here? Um. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> um. Anyway, so yes, he uh, is, snaps at a teacher, gets disinvited from returning to Yancey. He's disappointed in you know himself because he's like, while he's homesick, he also did. Feel like he enjoyed Yancey, and he's going to be sad to not be back. Yeah. So he's he's equally homesick to just wants to go home, and which is what homesick means, and also wanting to come back to Yancey, and is disappointed that that's not going to happen. Anyway, so his mom gets sent a letter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, he doesn't want to go back and like you know deal with his obnoxious stepfather and his stupid poker parties. Yes, so you talk, talked about that. I didn't include that at all because I, I don't know if it's going to be important. Like it, dip, like I think it was because we've established something. Like we established in the very very first line of the book where he's just like, you know, I didn't want to be a half blood, and so it's not spelled out yet. But we can pretty confidently assume that you know he he is uh, half human and half something else. Okay. At this point, I think that's a fair assumption based on the information we have. Okay. I I guess I guess I totally missed that. Like I understand half blood. I I'm pretty sure I know who his father really is from what I've been exposed to in culture. Gosh, Kristen. <laughs> well, I mean, don't spoil it for me. But why are there tridents on everything? Uh-huh. Okay, who's his who's his dad? Okay, there's tridents on everything. Who's his dad? Um Yes. But I guess I just totally forgot that that would mean that there could be a stepfather figure because we've only talked about his mom in the first chapter. Yeah. And the absent uh real father leads one to believe that like his his dad is the is the god or whatever. It's like it's not his mom. So we've established which parental lineage he's coming from. Yeah. So I thought that line was important for that reason. What his half-bloodiness is about. Yeah. So there's And then we that. have half-bloods come up again in this chapter later. Mm-hmm. Once they're on the bus. But we'll we'll come back to that. Because that's one of my notes is to talk about the, the half-blood. Yeah. Um, so he talks about things he would miss there. But also, you know, And it's whatever. also really hard for me to say half-blood. Because of my... Because of the slur in Harry Potter... That is adjacent to that. Uh-huh. And so it's it's really hard for me to... I'm, I'm, I'm working through being okay saying that in the context of this book. It's, it's in the book. I know it's in the book, and I know it's acceptable in the book because Grover's card wouldn't say it if it wasn't, but it's still it's still a hurdle for me to get over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes to Mr. Brunner and asks mm-hmm. him for help. Well, no, he doesn't. He is studying the night before the exam. Uh-huh. And his brain, and he really, it's his Latin final is the only one he's actually trying for because he doesn't want to disappoint Brunner. Yeah. And so all of the words are swimming off the page. Uh, his dyslexia is causing issues. He throws the book across the room. I was going to be the book. <laughs> and I was also going to rewrite the chapter from the perspective of the book. What's the what's the textbook's name? Uh, Cam- Cam- uh, the Cambridge Guide to Greek Mythology. 
Yes. And so, one, I found it interesting that this is his Latin final, and it's the mythology that they're studying. Like, it, it, he's the Latin teacher. Yeah. He's not the mythology teacher, and he's trying to keep, you know, uh, also Chiron not. and Karen apart from each other, or whoever their names are. Yeah, like they're not studying Roman mythology. Yeah. And it's not a it's not an ancient Greek class. So yeah. they've they're mixed up their pantheons here. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, it's a little weird to me. Uh-huh. Um, because you even referred to him in the last episode as the history professor, and I was like, uh, um, no, he's the Latin professor. Yeah. Um, but also he's the history professor. Like they do tournament day. Like I don't know. I mean, it's a school for troubled kids. Like you know, budget cuts. Like teachers are wearing a lot of hats. He's probably also like the gym coach. Uh, <laughs> Yes, but, in his wheelchair. Yep. Oh, man. He's great at dodgeball. He's very good at it. <laughs> um, Sorry, we're building the lore for, for Mr. Brunner here as we establish that he's going to be the tumness of this book. So just really, like, I yeah, building up some backstory. Uh, anyway, so he goes down and he's going to ask Mr. Brunner for help. Yeah, he, he decides that he wants to ask for help, which is huge. Yeah. Like, yes, it is the night before the exam. You probably should have asked for help like three weeks ago. Yeah. But, um, you know, whatever. I think that's a huge, like, revelation about the character of Percy that he is willing to ask for help. Yeah. Like. No. Character growth moment. Yeah. I mean, he is ready to go to Mr. Brunner for help because he doesn't want Mr. Brunner to be disappointed in him. Mm-hmm. And then he overhears a conversation. Yeah. As he's approaching, he hears... Grover's voice in there, and Grover and Mr. Brunner are talking about Percy. Crazy. Uh, and we could we could bring up a few uh, choice quotes from this conversation, because I think there's some of them are interesting. Um, Grover mentions uh, there being a kindly one in the school. Yes. So we don't know what that is yet. Correct. What that means, but... But we assume... Well, I assume it's Mrs. Dodds was the kindly one that he's referring to. Because mm-hmm. he's panicked about it. He's like, can't believe, and... Then Brunner says something like, you know, it's, you didn't fail. Yeah. Uh, see, I read it as the kindly one being Percy. So you read it as the kindly one being Percy, and that I don't agree with, because in the context of the conversation, mm-hmm. Grover's talking about Percy being alone this summer, and he's worried about him. Yeah. And he says, I mean, a kindly one in the school now that we know for sure, and they know too. Yeah. Blah blah using... blah 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 blah. Sir, he saw her. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know because he's using present tense, being like, "There's a kindly one in the school." Now that we know for sure, when why would they use present tense when Mrs. Dodds died four months ago? No, like, he says. I mean a kindly one in the school. That's not present. That's just a statement that kindly one in the school. Could have been present, could be past. I think the kindly one is what Mrs. Dodds was and his monster. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe. Because when they get on the bus and Percy is looking at Grover being all freaked out, Percy Uh says, are you looking for kindly ones? Grover panics. Okay. And it's, 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 he's concerned. It's something he's afraid of. Okay. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, we need the boy to mature more. This whole conversation has the tone of, like, yeah, Mr. Brunner and Grover have been in on this, uh, yeah. for, for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, and we mentioned the summer solstice deadline. Whatever that what, is. Whatever the heck that is going to be about. Um, Brunner's trying to convince Grover to let him enjoy his ignorance. Let Percy enjoy his ignorance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, and not Doesn't rush him into stuff. Him. Uh, we mentioned uh, the mist over the students and staff. Yep, about Dodds. Yeah, so there's some kind of magical thing going on, possibly. It's yep. the mist. Seems that way. Okay. Cool. Uh, and then Grover says, I can't fail in my duties again. So we've established that, hey, maybe Grover's done this before. Yep. And he's screwed it up. So, like... There's a, there's a lot of context in this conversation. Oh, yeah. Like, there's well, a lot of stuff packed in. And I don't know if it's in this conversation or on the bus, uh-huh. but Grover's kind of like, nobody lives past whatever age Percy is now. Yeah, sixth like, grade. They, they don't make it. it past sixth grade. Yeah. None of them make it past sixth grade. Uh-huh. It's dark. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Whoever mm. these people are. Uh, and Mr. Brunner says that you haven't failed. Sorry, we're just reading the entire conversation, but I think it's important. Uh, Brunner says, I should have seen her for what she was. So Brunner's implying that he didn't even know Miss Dodds was anything. Yeah. Other than a cranky old lady. Until she transformed. So, there you go. There's something special about Brunner. There's something special about Grover. There's something special about Percy. Maybe. Uh, And then Percy drops the book. Uh, and then this conversation stops. Obviously, they know somebody is out there. He bolts back to his room. No, he does not. He bolts to a nearby office, closes oh. the door, and hides. Gosh, fine. And then the clop, clop, clopping, and the snuffling sounds follow. Yeah. And then Grover gets told to go back to his room uh-huh. by Brunner. Yeah. And then Percy arrives back at the room where Grover is already acting like he'd been there all night. Sorry, this is what happens when I read the chapter a week before we actually record. Well, I was ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not usually an idiot, listeners. Um, <laughs> I think I've established that in previous episodes. Uh, but here's a clop, 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 uh, and I immediately was just like, "Is Grover a centaur? Is he?" Because like that's a that's a little Greek thing that would make sense in the mythology and explain the clopping sounds or. Is he like a fawn or something? Well, then, <laughs> Mr. Brunner wouldn't be the uh, yeah. tumness of this, would he? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, that is a call back to the first chapter where Percy is just like, yeah, Grover has something wrong with his legs and he can't walk right. Mm-hmm. Well, so does Mr. Brunner. Yeah. He can't walk. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Brunner is a clop, clop, clopping... Yeah, maybe, but I was thinking like centaur, maybe maybe a little uh, a fawn, or there's there's another name for those that I was trying to think of, but I can't get there quite for yet. Sa- satyr, like a satyr, or something like that. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll find out. Uh, and then you know they don't catch him. Grover goes back to his room. Percy goes finds him there. It's just like, yep, been here all night. Don't know what you're talking about. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, and then it's the next day. 
uh, Percy's leaving his three-hour Latin exam. For a sixth grader having a three-hour exam, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I had less time than that to take my SATs. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I, it was. I think that was like SATs a were all day. Yeah. SATs know. were like eight hours of testing. I don't remember being that long. However, I think that's a, a very excessive exam time for uh, somebody who's 11 or 12. Yeah. <laughs> It does seem excessive. And on the on the topic of bad pedagogy at Yancey Academy. Next word. We can also talk about these three-hour exams. We can also talk about Mr. Brunner approaching Percy after the exam in front of everyone and trying to tell him that he's doing a bad job. <laughs> like, Mr. Brunner is like, from from the perspective of us knowing there's something else going on and knowing that that Percy's might be in danger and that there's more to it because we're reading a fiction novel, mm-hmm. we can see that Brunner's like, it's probably for the best that you're being protected by not being here. They knew where you were, you know, whatever, whatever. Like he's trying to say something good and positive and reinforcing here. Yeah. But what he's saying is. You're leaving. It's probably for the best. And that's an awful thing to say to a child, especially in front of an entire classroom full of his co-students. And also, like, Percy's leaving the exam before dummy mean bully anyway. What's her name? Nancy Boba Fett. Nancy Boba Fett. (laughs) Like... He finished his exam earlier than her, so I don't know what she's being sassy to him about. Yeah. For the best, though. It's not the right place for him. Yep. Too bad, so sad. It's still, it's so cruel to say it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he doubles down and is just like, you're not normal, Percy. Yeah. Well, and he's... <laughs> you're a and, freak. And he's doing this all wrong. <laughs> it's completely wrong. So for... For a guy who's been around for a couple thousand years, like he's, you know, you'd think he'd know human nature a little bit better. You'd think. <laughs> Maybe he's too detached at this point. Maybe. He's just like these mortals and their puny lives. I don't know how to relate to them anymore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or he just feels like he's talking to a dead man, like this kid is going to die in the next year anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Why be attached? Yeah. Uh, so he's leaving. Back in a suitcase. Other guys are talking about vacation plans in the summer. Percy has uh, none of those. Correct. So we do finally get the information that all of the students here, while they're all delinquents, are also all rich. Yeah. Which explains Latin classes at a delinquent school. Yeah, I guess so. But also still doesn't explain why they're history, Latin, confusion, blah, 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 blah. <sighs> anyway. And uh, he says about. he's going to the city, and everyone is like, cool, and then, like, ignores that he said anything. Yeah. And we get on the bus, and Grover's going with him. Yeah, he finds out that Grover's going. This wasn't uh, a thing he was aware of first, and then Grover was just like, nope, I'm going the same way, so might as well ride together. Uh, they're going to take a Greyhound. Uh, and he says he'd booked a ticket to Manhattan on the same Greyhound as I had. So apparently, like, they have to, like, their 12-year-olds have to pay for their own transportation back to wherever they're going. Well, Which, I uh, mean, they, okay. their parents probably booked their yeah. tickets, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, that seems cruel. Um, 
Which I guess makes sense if it's a rich kid's school, mostly. Yeah. Um, but they're on the bus ride down there. Grover's nervously glancing around. Uh, and and then Percy... Percy calls him out on it. And he's like, are you looking for kindly ones? And he confesses that he was eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. He wants to know more about it. And Grover's really concerned and freaked out. Yeah. And tries to double down and keep the lie going. He's just like, I'm worried about you, man. You're hallucinating. Like, you know, just going crazy. Uh, Percy's just like, no. Not yeah. having it. Uh, knows he's lying. And then Grover pulls out a business card. Yep. <laughs> Grover Underwood. We finally have a name yep. for him. It's Grover Underwood. He's a keeper. Yes. What does okay. that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, they're the ones who guard the goal in um, the the broomstick game. Yeah. Quidditch. Uh, also, he has a very, uh, very earthy, very natural name. Yep. He's so a Grover grove. Underwood. Under the wood. So. Maybe yeah. he's not a fawn or a satyr. Maybe he is like a tree spirit. Could be a dryad. He's a dryad. Mm-hmm. I knew it. He could be a beach boy. He could be a beach boy. <laughs> He could be. <laughs> um, but it also says something about Half-Blood House or something. Half-Blood Hill. Half-Blood Hill. On Long Island, and there's a phone number. Yes. And he asks what a Half-Blood is, and Grover's like, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of revelations, uh, and we as the readers still don't really know a lot. We just have, like, pieces of this mystery that are coming together. Correct. Uh and then Percy is automatically just like, doesn't... Well, yeah, because Grover says, here's my number, call me if you need anything. Yeah. And Percy does meanly snap back, what would I need you for? Yeah. Well, he's just like, my heart sank. Grover had a summer home. Oh, he's actually rich. And oh, like doesn't yeah. like really pick up on this at all. Yeah. Like there's something weird going on. It's just like, oh yeah, well, he's more privileged than I am. And Grover's like, yeah, I have to protect you. Uh, and then there's that reversal you talked about where Percy's just like, I thought I was the one protecting him this entire time. Yeah. Uh, and apparently it's the other way around. Maybe. And then in the middle of this conversation, they get interrupted. Uh, grinding noise. There's a, uh, so I wanted to read this passage too. I might as well just read the entire chapter yep. at this point. Uh, there's a huge grinding noise from under our feet. Black smoke poured from the dashboard and the whole bus was filled with a smell like rotten eggs. Uh, sulfur. So, like, there's very, like, hellish imagery here. Yep. Like, there's black smoke, there's this sulfur smell. Yep. So. It's very distinctive. I, I, I'm wondering if that's foreshadowing for something else. Well. Like, has something Not only do we, we have Greyhound itself, which is an imagery of a dog. Uh-huh. Um, we also have this, you know. We forgot to even touch on all the crazy weather phenomenons that were happening at the end of the school year. Uh-huh. I have notes to talk about that. Okay. Um, but, like, what what is the sentence right before the bus grinds to a halt? Uh, Grover, I said, what exactly are you protecting me from? And then <sighs> this happens. Yeah. Like, which is super, super intense foreshadowing, I think. Yeah. And then it's like, yes, very hellish imagery, the smell of sulfur, all of this, like, maybe something just came up. Maybe they just crossed paths with something, but they get off the bus, mm-hmm. and he sees the fates. Yes. Who are often tied in with Hades. Yeah. Um, as as most 
most American children know the fates and their connection to Hades from the Hercules movie. Um, uh-huh. And this kind of intertwined nature where we have this very hellish, dark imagery there. Yeah. Uh, but they're on a country road next to a little fruit stand. Yep. Uh, with some uh, blood red cherries and apples. I just pointed that out. It's like, here's another color. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting descriptive word for them. It's like they're blood red. Okay. Maybe that's nothing. But And then there are three old ladies sitting in rocking chairs, knitting some socks. Really, really big socks. Yeah, and he and they're blue, right? Yes. These giant blue socks. He says they're 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 pretty large. Electric blue yarn, even. Yes. Uh, that are uh, socks bigger than anything he's ever seen. They look ancient. Uh, the socks all, or the women. The women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the women, and they're all staring right at him. And then Grover's immediately like, "Oh, this is bad." Yeah, and he's this and is, he's <laughs> like, "Let's get back on the bus." Now, we're assuming, uh, like, we haven't spelled it out yet. These are, like, the fates. Are they just always there on the side of the road selling fruit? Did they just appear there when Percy showed up? Like, um, what's... Or is this some kind of crossing over here where uh-huh. they encountered something? That's why the bus broke down. This is some kind of little, like, influx into our world of this other pocket dimension or something. Yeah. So, we don't know that. Uh, we have a frustrating lack of answers in this chapter. I mean, it's only chapter two of the book, so I wouldn't expect there to be a lot of them. Yeah. But we raise a lot of questions here. But you and I both, even at the chapter's title of the three people knitting, yeah, we immediately pictured the fates. You and I both just went straight to yeah. Um, the Mori. Yeah. And so, the Mori are, are these, also known as the fates, are Greek gods. Um, and it's often portrayed as three weaving goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of them has an, an assigned role. Yeah. Um, Clotho, Lachis, and Atropos, pardon my terrible Greek pronunciation, but, and this is, this is my little, we're going into the fates now because we can come back to the chapter, but I want to talk about the fates here because... Even not knowing anything about the fates or Greek mythology coming into this book, mm-hmm. I saw the chapter title and went, oh, it's the fates. Because uh-huh. it's three people weaving something or knitting something. Yeah. So the fates, the kind of roles that these three are assigned to are like the spinner, the allotter, and the inflexible uh, is what their names mean. And going into that kind of structure we don't know who any of these are but we do know that one of them is cutting the string while the other two are um weaving knitting yeah Yeah, i keep wanting to say weaving but they're knitting um oh it was was norse mythology they'd be weaving yes thank you there's a they get reinterpreted reinterpreted uh into norse mythology uh i forget what their names are in that one but they're basically the same concept okay Anyway, so they basically give everybody their portion of life and they're symbolically. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to know more about the symbolism of seeing the string being cut. Yeah. Um, I mean, according to Grover, that means, you know. Someone's going to die. Yeah, and they're looking right at Percy. So, man, they cut the string. So Grover's just like, yep, they've they've cut your thread of life. Like, you're you're dead. You, you have been sentenced to death, period. 
but are they but but does that make sense when they're like giant electric blue socks I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's what I like. Is there something about the color and the pattern and the size of the socks that changes with whoever they're being assigned to? Well, that was one of my, my one of my bullet points in the chapter was uh, the socks too big? Question mark. Is this like uh, you know? Is this a visual metaphor for like Percy not being ready for the role he's supposed to take on? Like the you know the shoes are too big to fill, like that kind of thing. Well, I mean, is that what- that would be? I feel like that would be mixing too heavily because yeah. we're already like here are the fates knitting. Yeah. So I feel like it has something more directly to do with the fates than and or their their subject or victim. Yeah. Than it does about Percy. Mm-hmm. Like I think that this is proof that it's not about Percy and that it's about someone else. Yeah. Because the sock is too big. Yeah. Possibly. Though, who are the socks for? We might find that eventually. Uh, I'm I'm assuming these show back up because this is a weird throwaway scene to be in chapter two if this yeah. is never brought up again. And part of me does <laughs> feel like it's never going to be brought up again. Like I do feel like it is scene setting. Uh huh. And it's showing this kind of overlap as percy's eyes are slowly being opened to the world yeah around him and what it means to be a half-blood yeah now if this is like jim butcher like that would be brought up again but in like book four it's like remember that scene in chapter two and book one well yep this is what that was all about um anyway grover drags him back on the bus because grover's really freaked out and grover's Uh, like did you see them cut it and then this stood out to me. The driver pulls a big chunk of smoking metal out of the engine compartment. That's not how. That's not you how fix I an fix engine. cars. No. <laughs> it's like you don't just pick, pull a big chunk of metal out and suddenly the car works again. Yep. So my thought was just like, was this an attack on the bus? Like somebody threw a weapon or something into the engine, and like that's why it broke down. Like, but there's something that's not supposed to be in the engine that's in there. Yep. It's... So. Seems like an odd, an odd situation. Yeah. So, who knew? So, the bus is working again. Get back on. They're taking off. Uh, Grover just looks dejected, and he's just like, yep, yeah, I'm done. I failed again. Uh, yeah, because Grover's convinced that because Percy saw them cut the string, uh-huh. Percy's going to die. Yeah. And he's like, you. he confirmed several times. He's like, you saw her snip the cord. Yes, you saw it. You're looking at it. Uh, and he mentioned something about last time, like hearkening back to Grover's failure. Uh, and you did mention the line, always sixth grade, they never get past sixth. Yeah. Apparently uh, 12's a dangerous age for half-gods. It, it is. You know, well, that half-bloods, be- we assume he's a half-god. He might not be. That, uh, that beginning of puberty, just like yep. dangerous it's, age for us all. It is a dangerous time for all of us, 100, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> And then, yeah, it kind of ends there with Grover just being like, yeah, I failed. Once more, I failed. Uh, and Grover looks at him like he's already picking up what kind of flowers he'd like best on his coffin. Yep. Which apparently that line really stood out to Steve because he memorized that one as being part of chapter two. Yeah. So, hi, Steve. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's it's transitionary 
is it transitory? Transitory is the word I'm looking for. Maybe. Uh, in tone. Transitional. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's a journey chapter. We have a random encounter along the way. Yeah. Mm, we learn maybe a tiny bit about what's going on, but we're left with a lot more questions at the end of the chapter than, than answers. Yes. So. Now, before we move on, we did skip over at the beginning of the chapter all of the strange weather that's which, been happening. Which is also mentioned in chapter one. Well, in chapter one, yes, but in chapter two, we just go straight into it. The, the, the largest tornado that's been seen in years was here. The rains kept coming, like, and it's all, like, profound weather phenomenon, and it's setting a tone for the beginning of the chapter when Percy's getting kicked out. Uh-huh. Like, it's very ominous and foreboding, and it's very tonally present, and then we get to this scene with the fates... Yeah. And it's very much like the culmination of that tone where it's just like, and we're going to die. One of us is going to die. Percy's going to die. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have this storm imagery. Like, the book itself is called The Lightning Thief. Yes. Like, on the cover, there's a storm. So, like, very much, yeah, there's a storm rolling in. Something's changing. There's some kind of chaos unfolding in the world. Yeah. Which... Uh, Storms also are considered in a lot of mythologies to be conflicts between the gods. Yeah. Uh, and that, like, lightning is used as a tool of the gods in these wars. Yeah, well, specifically Zeus. And, like, I'm I'm assuming that Zeus is going to show up in some format in this book because the book is called The Lightning Thief. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about Greek mythology, that's, you know, draws a very clear picture. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, also, I hate to keep mentioning the same three books in the podcast over and over again. Well, come like up, why are... don't you read more books then? I, I do. I just don't find reasons to mention <laughs> them most of the time. Um, but I, I do want to point out the uh, the striking similarity in tone so far between this one and in the first book of the Dresden Files, which is called, as we know, Stormfront. Stormfront. Yep. Where the, the imagery is, there's a storm rolling in. Yes. So... Oh, yeah. It's, uh, there's a bit of an echo here. There's multiple storms throughout that book, yes. Yeah. This is now becoming our Dresden Stan uh, <laughs> podcast rather than our House of Leaves Stan podcast. Yeah. So after we do Percy Jackson, we're just going to spend the rest of our lives doing chapter by chapter of the Dresden Files. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> it's only 20 books. I mean, so how long could it take? So far. <laughs> That's a 10-year project. No, I'd have to actually buy the audiobooks and give Daniel back his iPod, <laughs> iPod because I don't want to keep it that long. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the storms, uh, I'm sure, are going to be a relevant plot point. What? No, point. no, they're not going to be relevant. This book isn't called The Lightning. Th- oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Cool. So that's what happens in the chapter. So I in was... bullet point and long form versions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we covered all the theming and everything. Covered some character growth. I think it's interesting that like if there's a secret society of of people that know about like all this supernatural stuff, they have fancy business cards. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not very low key. Nah, not very. It's like somebody had to print those. They had to send this off to a print shop and be like, <laughs> no, don't ask about what Half-Blood Hill is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, people make business cards for weird stuff. That's true. 
Like, people always make weird business cards for weird stuff. Like, it's... Yeah. Like cool. Dolores writing people up at the convention for their infractions. It's <laughs> a reference resources. two people are going to get. Um, all right. So, what do we do next? That's an excellent question. We changed formatting. So, I think <laughs> the next thing we do is our baseless speculation or our rewrite. Rewrite. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think we we don't really do baseless speculation anymore. I mean, but... we kind of sprinkle it on throughout. Yeah. Um, but before we move on to that, we are supposed to do our favorite sentence. Oh, is that a thing that we did? Yeah. Okay, cool. We did the same sentence together last time. Yes. I was really mad at you because I was like, I'm transitioning into this segment and you're like, here's mine. And I was like, excuse me. I was talking. And also that's my sentence. All right. So favorite sentences. I think you should go first. Cause last time I stole yours and you yeah, got really mad. You did. Um, so this one didn't hit me with the same like intensity as the last one, but it really set stakes. Uh huh. And so I really liked it. So the sentence that I chose is, now let's just worry about keeping Percy alive until next fall. Okay. So there's something about school and the fall that I feel like is important to the safety of Percy. Because they're very worried about the summer solstice. The solstice deadlines, yeah. Yeah, and the summer solstice is in June. Yeah. So, like, school gets out and it's already summer solstice. Like, it's not... He needs his education. He needs to go back to Latin class. Because it's the fall equinox that he's got to survive until? Like, the autumnal equinox? That's it. So, like, they keep talking about the solstice deadline, but that's when school gets out is at the solstice. So I just find it weird. That's all. I'm sure we'll find out more. Okay. Uh, my favorite sentence is, uh, you think those socks would fit me? <laughs> Who said that? Percy. I think that that's a really important question that <laughs> I totally missed happening. Yeah, that's what, that's kind of why I brought up the whole, like, boots too big metaphor. Yeah. Because he's like, do you think those socks would fit me? I think that that's important. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that one out. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So there you go. So we go to our last segment. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So in this last segment, uh, as opposed to what we did in the uh, previous series where we just used this uh, chapter's own words to rewrite uh, a little story, uh, in this one we're coming up with entirely new things uh, from different perspectives. So we're picking a character and telling the chapter from the perspective of that character. Yes. As a fun little rewrite exercise. Um, would you like to go first or would you like me to? I know you have a lot prepared. Um, I would like you to. Okay. I know that you went first on the summary thing, but I'd like you to go first on this one. All right. So here is my rewrite of this chapter. Inch by inch, I am raveled into being, into dimensions, one by one. I start as a line, unaware, and am pulled into a plane, blown now by the hot summer wind. It carries new smells, sweet and unfamiliar, that permeate my fabric. I grow larger, more concrete, and I now open to accommodate a fraction of this strange and colossal world. The sound of hissing, of voices and distant footsteps, the smell of sulfur and smoke, is my existence already at its terminus. 
What did I do to deserve this hellish fate? But, ah, alas, I am free. Okay. So that's the perspective of the sock. There you go. <laughs> that I kind of stumbled through because I have a hard time reading my own writing sometimes. Yep, and you wonder why other people have a hard time reading their <laughs> Alright. Finals week is approaching, and we're going to lose Percy. It's our responsibility to keep him safe. Summer solstice will be here any minute. I talked with Grover before the test. We discuss all of the happenings and how it's Grover's responsibility to keep Percy safe. I'm concerned about Grover. He's failed before, and he is worried he's failing again. Percy's not coming back. And maybe that's for the best. Maybe he'll be safer. I just don't think maybe I can help him understand. Well, that didn't go well. There you go. Okay. There's, there's Mr. Brunner. I liked you uh, reading off the blank page there. Yep. <laughs> you could actually, like, no, write I can't. these things I out. can't because I don't like writing it down because then I'm like, then it just... It feels yeah. yucky to write it down when I don't know anything about what's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. When I don't know enough about these characters, like... That's why I picked a sock. It feels wrong. <laughs> like, it feels like I'm going to be proved wrong later, and then, like... That's part of the fun. My misunderstanding is here in permanent ink uh-huh. on this piece of paper that I can't ever get rid of. Anyway, so I'm surprised you went with uh, with Brunner there. Yeah, I was like going to do Grover because I wanted to do the whole bus thing, but I also just didn't want to, like... You could have gone with a really brief, like, Mr. Nichols summary where, like, Percy well, comes in and yells at him. My and first leaves. idea was to do the book. Uh-huh. The perspective of the book getting slammed shut, thrown across the room, uh-huh. then picked up and carried down the hallway, and then dropped on the floor, knowing that that's bad, and then hiding with Percy. Uh-huh. Fine. Um... So that was my first thought. Then my second thought was Mr. Nickel mm-hmm. and having the bus rider, bus rider, yeah, the bus driver where he just shows up picking up these darn kids from the school. They always leave gum under the seats and uh, oh, this thing broken. Uh-huh. Could really go for some fruit from that stand over there, but I got to fix this thing because I'm on a deadline. You know, what is this in here? All right, well, we don't need that. <laughs> See, that's a good one. Anyway, cool. Would you like so to... I think going forward, I'm just going to do three every time. Okay, cool. <laughs> just everybody's perspective in the chapter. Yeah. All right. Would you like to take us out, Kristen? Sure. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter two of The Lightning Thief. Join us next time as we discuss chapter three, which is has a little bit of a racy title. Uh, <laughs> Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. Whoa. Um, <laughs> woo. Which then leads me more towards the Grover's probably a satyr thing if he is, like, losing his pants and yeah. it's, like, the chapter title worthy thing. Yeah. Um, so, that's the next chapter. 
going forward. Um, yeah. Cool. You have some advice for us or anything? I was just going to say global warming causes weird weather, but, you know. Um, I mean, you also need to do our social media plugs. I so. do. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> so... Join us next week as we discuss that. In the meantime, if you'd like to interact with us, you can do so at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of some giant electric blue socks at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us on the Patreon at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast. And until next time... um. Always keep your Latin mythology book with you. And uh, don't fix an engine by pulling stuff out of it. I mean, sometimes you have to take it out and then put it back in. <laughs> but don't leave like it permanently out. Permanently remove it. Yeah. It's probably for the best. Bye. Bye. Did you forget to get a sentence? Yeah, I did. I didn't know we were doing that. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay. Well, uh, they're the ones who guard the goal in um, the the broomstick game. Yeah. Quidditch. Uh, And, you know, she... uh, I, I want to call it Percy Jackson <laughs> and the Lightning Thief or something. Like. They get reinterpreted. Reinterpreted uh, into Norse mythology. Uh, uh, travels with Grover. I, I thought it was funny. It was clever. It's a reference to Travels with Charlie. Sorry. What? It's a Steinbeck book, Travels with Charlie. Oh. Travels with Grover. Look at me being uncultured. <laughs> Travels with Grover. And now open to accommodate a fraction of the strange and calloused. You're so poetic. Uh, sorry. Uh, I, I cannot read this word that I wrote.